and good morning. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our kids for Discovery Kids. They have a time downstairs to join together and worship together. And so this is a time for them to be able to be on their way. In the meanwhile, we have, starting in the front row, our prayer pads. And it's an opportunity for us to share together our needs and our concerns, as well as our praises to God. So those pads start in the front. In a perfect world, they make their way to the back and they see everyone. But if there is a time that you miss that, they are just in the back and you can put something on there. We send those out on our uh, prayer MailChimp on Monday and then throughout the week to uh, remind ourselves to be praying for each other. In this season of Advent, we are making our way through uh, the first chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 1. And today we're looking at Mary's song, and that begins in verse 39. You can follow along on a tablet, a phone, a book, or the words that will be up on the screen as I read them and then as we reflect on them together. So I invite you to join with me by standing either physically or in your heart before God as we hear these words from the book that we love. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. God's very word. Thanks be to God, and you may be seated. In the mid-1700s, a young man had the movement of the Holy Spirit within him, and he surrendered himself to Jesus. 
Not only did Robert Robinson move from a life of deep sin to a complete surrender, he became a pastor. And at the age of 22, he wrote the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It reflected his life. Here are some of these words. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wander. And yes, he did. A while later, he left the pastorate, he left the church, and he turned his back on God. Sometime later, when he was in a stagecoach, uh, the woman across from him had her hymn book out, and they were talking together. And at one point, she said to him, I'd like to get your opinion on this hymn. And she opened her book up and started to hum. Can you believe it? It moved him to confess his wanderings his sadness, and his own hymn led him back to God. Worship does this. It moves our heart. Bringing down walls that might cause our own wandering, and worship opens us up to the movement of God. Well, this passage is about a worship hymn, Mary's hymn that has impacted people for over 2,000 years. Written after an embrace of two women who wouldn't have been selected by priests or scribes to do anything significant in their life or in their community, but God chose them. Elizabeth, an elderly, six-month pregnant minister's wife, and Mary, a young, unwed teenager, pregnant. And we wouldn't have necessarily picked them either for anything, let alone to be key players in this thing called salvation history. But that's just like our God, isn't it? He sees things that the human eye doesn't see. And he still looks for those qualities today. Two women, bonded by blood, they were cousins, and also bonded by faith. And when Mary heard the news from the angel Gabriel that she was to bring forth a son, God's son, and she visits her cousin. Together, they join together in worship and praise. 
and it teaches us that when we acknowledge God's working, his plan in our lives, the response of people of faith is to bring our praise and our worship and our adoration to God. Let's see how this unfolds in their meeting and then how it unfolds in our life. It begins with Mary's arrival in a small town in Judea. Her response to angel Gabriel is to go down to Elizabeth. Maybe it was her desire to confirm Gabriel's report to see if it was true. Maybe it was to share her joy. Maybe it was for some support, some understanding. And when she arrived and greeted Elizabeth, two things happened. First, Elizabeth's child, nine, excuse me, six weeks within, six months within her, leapt for joy when she heard the voice of Mary, the mother of their Savior. And secondly, it says that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She knew then why Mary came and what was going on in her heart, let alone in her womb. But remember that. We're going to come to that in a little bit. She was filled with the Spirit, and then she responded to Mary. And then Elizabeth gives her profession. Profession partly is a blessing to Mary. Overwhelmed with joy, with what God has done, not only in Elizabeth's life, but now in Mary's life, filled with the Spirit, she gives a blessing. Blessed are you among women. And secondly, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth, the older cousin, knows what has happened to Mary and says, first of all, you will be honored for your obedience, for your humbleness, for your submission to God's will. And secondly, your child will be filled with the Spirit and fulfill the promises of God. Fully human, fully divine. God with flesh and bone, but with no sin, who had come to live a life of service, gratitude, and humbleness, to make payment for our sin, not his sin, but for our sin. And then being raised on the third day to give life to anyone and everyone who would come to him to receive him into their hearts, to be king and savior, the great forgiver. Elizabeth says, this is your blessing, Mary. And then Elizabeth talks about her own blessing, twice blessed as well. First of all, she has been blessed with a child in her old age. And secondly, she is blessed in this relationship with Mary, the mother of her Savior. No resentment, no bitterness, no feelings like, 
Why do you get this privilege and I don't? None of that. Elizabeth humbles herself and is just thankful to be in relationship with Mary. And then that leads Mary to her worship him. She breaks into a song of praise that has been given the title, The Magnificat. Maybe you've seen that along the way. It's been given that title because uh, sometime around the 5th or the 6th century, St. Jerome, in a church in Bethlehem, translated the New Testament into Latin. And the very first word that was used in the worship hymn of Mary is the word magnificat, or to magnify, which is what Mary's hymn does, to magnify God, to magnify Jesus, to make his name great. I'd like to share with you four things that I find in this worship hymn that can lead us and help shape our hearts in worship as well. First of all, she rejoices in God. She starts out worship by giving God his due. It's a great and awesome God, worthy of our adoration, worthy of our worship, worthy of honor. God continues to intervene in history and now fulfilling that promise that he would bring the Savior, the Messiah King. Mary doesn't begin by talking about her own state or the state of Israel. Her focus is not on her condition of what she is going through. She brings that in, but her first words are those of, I want to focus in on how great my God is. Because when our circumstances can get us down, when we can feel overwhelmed by life, coming to worship is not an escape. Coming to worship helps tune and focus our heart where it needs to be. And so when we gather for worship, our opening songs are songs of praise. We sing to God about how great he is. That's how she begins her worship hymn. And then secondly, in this personal hymn of hers that's been shared, she recognizes her honor that she will be blessed by all generations because God has done great things to her. Blessed. And it doesn't mean that she will only experience happiness, right? When we say that we are blessed, it doesn't mean that life will be easy for us, does it? Consider Mary the pain and the struggle that she had in her life, and yet her life, she says, would be blessed. Her son paid a visit in his adult life back to the city he grew up in, to Nazareth, and his words of truth did not sit well, and they would want to kill him. 
So she realized that in his ministry, he would go head to head with the religious leaders. And they too would want to kill him. And they finally did. Mary watched him be tried and suffer and crucified. What could bring more heartache than that? And yet she would say her life is blessed. Blessedness is not referring to good times, but to a spiritual conditioning of our hearts. That we know who God is, and we know who we are, his precious children. Blessed life comes in and knowing what maybe the apostle said, the peace that passes understanding. Mary felt it even before the birth of Jesus. Third, her child would change the world. Things would no longer be the same. The whole world of what they determined would be great and significant and important would be turned upside down and inside out. This son, God's son, is going to scatter the proud and the prosperous, those of influence and power. And he's going to raise up the humble. He's going to bless the poor and the downtrodden. It is something that the world still needs today to see God continue to turn the world upside down. John Ortberg wrote a book entitled, Who is this man? And he painstakingly goes through education, medicine, the arts, culture, and shows how Jesus has shaped everything in the modern world. It's a wonderful book. He literally turned this world upside down and continues to shape it today. Then lastly, God keeps his promise. Mary declared that Jesus is the gift of God's continued pattern of grace. When God reached out to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great, God did that, and he continues to fulfill his promises. And now, Mary says, he is fulfilling it through me. God has never backed down. He has never backed off. God is still at work making his promises come true. Then it says, after three months, she went back home to Nazareth. So what does this psalm, song of Mary have to do with us? I'd like to share four things that come to me out of this worship psalm of Mary. First thing that I see 
is that worship flows out of obedience and submission. This is the source of our true worship of God. Maybe you remember when Mary was met by the angel Gabriel and she got the last word in to say, may it be to me as you have said. Worship will remain a struggle for us as long as we permit areas of life to be disobedient, to be hidden, or areas of life that we want to have the control. As long as we exclude God from certain parts of our life, worship will be a struggle. We can't harbor resentment and come to a place of worship. Jesus said that, didn't he? The one excuse he gives for missing church is what? To go rectify a situation with a sister or brother. Then you can miss church. As long as we harbor control, worship will be a struggle. We need to let go of those events and those situations that we desperately want to hang on to. And Mary said, I'm just giving up control. I yield to God. I surrender to what he has for me. There's a word for that. It's called faith. Trust. Okay, God, I don't really know what you're doing, and I really don't know why, but I trust you. Sometimes that's a hard place to come to, but that's where he calls us to land. But we are control freaks, aren't we? <laughs> we want to control. And if everyone just did things my way and everyone drove on the highway like I drove, everything would be much better, right? But there is one who is worthy of control of our lives. And when we submit to him and are obedient to him, a second thing happens. Praise flows from our hearts. Mary didn't sing to experience worship. Worship started because she couldn't contain it inside any longer. It flowed from within. Too often we gauge worship through the things external. If we hear a good sermon, if we sing the right songs, if we see a full church, if no one sits in my place, then we've worshipped. But God, through Mary, reminds us that that's not how worship happens. Worship starts in our hearts. And it bubbles up because we have that right relationship with God and right relationship with others. No matter of my situation or heartache, the secret of joy is that God brings joy in unexpected places and unexpected times. But he brings it when we live that life of submission and obedience. It raises its head in wonderful places. Third, when we worship, it affirms our identity. Worship does do something for us. It affirms our identity. 
Mary knew her place in the kingdom of God, and she was affirmed that she was loved by God. Worship leaves us with an understanding of who we are and what's to be done, how we fit into God's kingdom, what God calls us to do, and what we need to do in obedience and in submission to God. And we share worship with others because it affirms the truth of who we all are in Christ. God loves us not based on our performance. He loves us not based on our status. He loves us not based on our accomplishments. He loves us not based on our makeup. He loves us not based on how I do in my exams. His love is based on his creative work, that we are made in the image of God, that we are his children unconditionally. That's why he loves us, because we are his kids. And in the Bible, we find over 50 positive descriptions of how God views us. One of my favorites is, we're the apple of his eye. He just loves us. So we are not defined by what others say or by what the evil one tries to say or even what we think, but who God says we are. The apple of his eye. This fall, we visited some friends in New Jersey and he took us into Manhattan. His office is across from St. Peter's Cathedral, and he gave us a, a quick walking tour of, uh, of Manhattan, and I felt like a, a, like a dog, believe it or not. You know how a dog is. They wake up in the morning. They say, oh, this is the best day ever. They eat dog food. Oh, this is the best food ever. They go for a walk. This is my best day ever, and he just took us to place after place like Rockefeller Center here, and uh, well, we spent a lot of time in cathedrals, uh, at the Met, Central Park, best day ever. Uh, we, we also passed uh, this statue of the Greek god uh, Atlas, and he's got the world on his shoulders, right? And sometimes when we see pictures of Atlas, he's kind of benched over because the weight of the world is on him. I kind of liked uh, this picture here. It shows the cathedral across the way. But, uh, uh, oh, no, go back, Paul. There we go. But uh, we kind of know the picture of Atlas. He carries the weight of the world. Sometimes we can feel like that, right? We, we carry the weight of the world. When my role growing up, one of my roles in the house was to take out the garbage. And when my mom or dad said, Paul, it's time to take out the garbage, it was like the weight of the world on my back. Oh, you know, and maybe, maybe you've done it. I know your kids haven't done it, but maybe you did it, right? Oh, you know, the weight of the world of having to do this thing. Oh, it's just this pouring on you. And sometimes we think God views our requests like that. Oh, here's Souser again with another request. Just the weight of, oh, I got to answer him. Oh. Do we ever view God like that? Hold that. This Christmas, let's say 
you do something out of the ordinary for someone you love. You put a picture book together. You build them a bookshelf. You sew a quilt. You do something out of the ordinary because you love this person so much. And it's Christmas time, and you give them the gift. And they, they love it, and they say, Oh, what work you put into this. And you say, It wasn't work, it was sheer joy. Right? And when we come to God, He says, It is sheer joy for me to hear you, to answer your prayers. Humility is not thinking less of who we are, but understanding who we are, deeply loved by this wonderful, gracious God. Francis Chan, in his book, Crazy Love, tells of when he went on a uh, four-day personal retreat. And he mentioned that he was going to do this uh, with a friend, to a friend, that he was going to be alone with God for four days. And his friend said, God is so looking forward to spending time with you. And he says, it caught him off guard. But then he realized that it was so true. God loves us. And when we understand that and grow in that love, that we are accepted and secure and significant, we grow in being his child. Our world puts so much on appearance, but we know that the outward appearance doesn't matter. Who we really are is that we are loved by God. And when we pull away from the body of faith, when we isolate ourselves from other Jesus followers, when we don't spend time in worship, it's more likely we start to fail to see this. And worship helps us to focus our eyes where they need to be. Lastly, God's Spirit helps us to see clearly of what we need to see. Last week when we looked at the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary, we might say that she was overwhelmed. She might have been fearful. And how she's going to see her cousin Elizabeth and, and what's going to happen there. And what happened was that, you might recall from just a little bit ago, when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, the, first of all, the baby kicked, right? And then it says that she was filled with the Spirit. And then she spoke to Mary. That order is significant, I believe. The Spirit gave to Elizabeth the knowledge and the understanding of what Mary needed. Words, a hug, a smile, and a reminder that everything was going to be all right. The Spirit does that for us. 
It helps us to see clearly and it helps us to understand what's needed in a situation. So maybe this Christmas what we need is a bit of a jolt to reassure us that in spite of circumstances, God's Son has come. And he's going to come again. And that's going to make everything all right. Especially in this crazy game of life. When we acknowledge that God is working his plan for our salvation and our good, people of faith respond in praise and worship and adoration. I invite you to join with me in prayer. Father God, how we bless you for your great love for us. Thank you for shaping our hearts to be hearts that are designed to worship and praise you. We acknowledge that you are worthy of all of our worship and, and all of our adoration. and We pray that you will so work in us to uh, help us to grow that more and more. We want to join in Elizabeth's profession that uh, you are great and you are doing a great thing. So, Father God, we offer to you uh, ourselves and our worship and our praise. And this morning, we also lift up to you uh, the needs of our community, the needs of one another. We thank you that you wait expectantly to hear us come to you and that you respond with joy and with grace. We uh, give thanks with uh, Sharon and Reed and, and how Sharon's mom is responding and improving. We pray you will continue to bring healing that she needs. Thank you for your peace and your grace that you have given to Jan and pray that you'll continue to restore her physically and uh, emotionally too. We join with uh, the Jansmas in giving thanks for the healing that's been experienced so far by our Sid's dad and pray that you will continue to bring the healing and the strength uh, that he needs. We join with Pastor Mary in praying for her sister-in-law, Sandra. We pray for the healing that she needs from the cancer. We also pray, Lord, that somehow you would use these series of events to open her heart once again and the heart of her husband to you and to your love and your grace. We join with uh, our friend Ryan in the loss of his uncle Brian. And we pray, Lord, that you would be with uh, Ryan and Angela and their uh, families, that you would provide grace and comfort for them in this time of loss. We give you thanks that little uh, Calvin Quinlan is back home and is on a good path towards health. We pray that you will continue to bless him and uh, Shauna and Kaylin as well as they 
make their adjustments and juggle care for family and work and other responsibilities. We just bless you that he has been out of the hospital for a couple of weeks now and pray that you will give to him continued health. We pray for our families. We pray that you will bring healing. We pray that you will bring uh, strength and uh, joy in relationships. We pray for families that are hurting. We pray, Lord, for your comfort and for your care and for your restoration. We also pray for our students and our teachers as many are entering a final week of exams and tests. We pray, Lord, that you will give to uh, our students uh, perseverance, uh, clarity of mind, and be with our teachers too, and sometimes the weight of responsibility of grading and teaching and uh, how to care for their students at this time. We pray for them all that you would help this to be a, a good experience uh, in their lives. We pray for those with, in our community that need a special touch of your grace. We pray, Father God, that uh, you would bring your grace to uh, Pam, and David, and Joe, to Ralph, and to Ken, that you indeed would give to them the, the special needs that they have at this time. We lift up uh, Genevieve Gorder and Anna's Grote and the babies that they carry. We pray for their protection, for grace, for comfort in this waiting time, and ultimately for a good and safe delivery when that time comes. We bless you for our missionary partners and this day and this week. We pray for cultivate renewal and Pastor Kevin Scuddy, as he leads an opportunity for church leaders to be refreshed and to come together and to find uh, your grace in new and refreshing ways. And we pray for our neighbors on Sun Meadow that you would give to them a double blessing on this week and that they would know that this blessing comes from you. And for the prayers that we have uh, within our own hearts and minds, we lift them to you at this time. We know that you hear. We know that you long to hear. And we offer them to you. And all of our prayers to you. And at this time, we offer ourselves to you that you would do your work in and through us. So as best we know how, we offer ourselves to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed and said... Amen. Amen.